0: We've been in uh, First John uh, since the the new year, and we are charging full speed ahead. Um, I don't know about you, but some, and maybe this is actually some of you right now. But um, there have been times in my life where I've walked into a church, and everyone's like "Hey," and I'm like "No," nah. and. Uh, I get this feeling, like like everybody here is um, just—is this real? I mean, are they real? Like everyone's like, "Yeah, I'm so glad to see you. Happy welcome," you know. And then they're hugging each other. And and um, these times in my life, especially times where I've dealt with tremendous anxiety or depression, I've been like, "Oh man," a I don't believe this. I think these people are phonies. And b If they're for real, like, it's got to be, there's something wrong with them. They're messed up. This can't be real. And that's because, you know, I know me, and I know that uh, when I enter into any social situation, um, I immediately, like, I I freeze up, I have terrible, like, ah! And especially if I don't know a lot of people and I see them all together, and I just assume the worst about them, because no one's talking to me. And if they are, I assume that they're talking to me because they want something from me. And I and I and I and I look at it and I'm like, you're just a bunch of phonies. You're you're fake. This isn't real. Whatever. And I know that that even in times, uh, there's been times where I've uh, come to church, where I've been in a social situation where I come in, and inside I'm feeling terrible. But I know that that's not expected. That's not acceptable in this place. Um, and so I I kind of put on a show. Hey, I'm super happy to see you. Life is awesome. I'm perfect. Um, isn't it great to be me? Don't you wish you were more like me, because then you'd be as happy as I am, etc., etc., etc. And I wonder, I wonder, where is our love coming from? Is it, is it something that, is it, is it a put on? Is it a put on, is it like, is it like I'm faking it because, you know, I need to impress somebody? Is it, is it coming from a place of insecurity? Where does our Christian love come from in this place, amongst us? And moreover, when we exit this place and we go to the world, where does it come from? Um, We're going to answer that question, but to do so, we have to deal with really one of the most controversial uh, passages in 1 John. Um, This is a passage that has been the subject of a great deal of controversy, especially over the last 30 years. Um, And I I need... It's important for me to walk you through it. It's important for you to see it and to understand exactly what's at stake and then... um, how we're going to make sense of it, and then what that's going to do is it's going to show us how we can be people who love from a place of sincerity, a place of freedom, and not from a place of fear. So if you would, we're going to um, start, normally uh, I, I, I give you my, uh, my translation of the text, but we need to start today with the New King James, um, so you can see what the problem is. Uh, so let's, let's look at this together. Um, this is the New King James, First John 3, 4-9. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. And you know that he, Christ, was manifested to take away our sins. And in him, Christ, there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. And whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Christ is Righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for God's seed remains in him. And he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. That's kind of a frightening text. Um, because It's frightening to me, um, because this morning um as pretty much every sunday morning uh before i got here and put on my perfect face um i had a family and it was very stressful to get to church uh today in fact i may have been a little bit short with some people in my family you might even have called it a sin i don't just normal and none of you of course have experienced this because you're good folks but but in in my household i i sometimes uh phew, Sometimes I step over the line. Sometimes I don't tell the whole truth. I know you guys, you're open books, you're transparent, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just kind of let a few things slide. You might even call those things sins. And if we take this text at, at face value, uh-oh, whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Right? in him there's no sin and it goes it goes on uh, to to say he who sins is of the devil is am i from the devil do i originate with the devil whoever has been born of god does not sin in fact he can't sin uh oh gosh that's really bad news <laughs> especially if if we um imagine the world in, in such a way that we want to be on god's side and we look at our lives and we're like, you know what? Uh, we're not quite there yet. And now, it, it gets even worse because not only does this seem to condemn every single one of us as people who are from the devil, but it also makes John look like a fool. Yeah, John the writer. In fact, the old German scholars who, who started dissecting First John, they thought that John was old and adult. And so he made a mistake here. He forgot what he had written two chapters ago. And wrote something completely contradictory. This is what they think, and I want to show you why. Uh, this is um, this is from First uh, uh, John one eight through two two. Uh, John says, "Hey, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. Okay, if we confess our sins, the one who's faithful and just forgives. If we say we've never sinned, we make him a liar. His word's not in us. Little children, I'm writing so you don't sin nor any sin anymore. But if someone does sin," If you do, hey, good news, we have a co-priest or an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He's the atonement sacrifice for our sins, and not ours only, but also the sins of the whole universe. Which is it, John? Is it those who who um, who sin uh, who say that they have no sin are liars, because we all have sin, or is it that we have sin, we're the children of the devil, or even worse, is it possible that everyone in the world is damned before God, because we are all children of the devil. That's what it sounds like, right? It sounds like there's this crazy contradiction. There's this this crazy movement where where, John's speaking out of one side of his mouth here, and one side of his mouth there, and and we're caught in the middle. As you can see, this is a controversial passage, and and one that has been dealt with in some very interesting ways. I want to show you, if you have a New International Version, this is how the New International Version solves the problem. This is uh, our text today, First John 3, 4-9, to in the New International Version. It says, Everyone who, who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appears that he might take away our sins, and in him, in Christ, is no sin. No one who lives or abides in him keeps on sinning. Do you hear that? Keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. If you do the sinful stuff, you're the, the devil. The reason the son, uh, the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So therefore, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them, they cannot go on sinning. Because they have been born of God. Oh boy I was worried there for a second uh the new international version came to save us um they just added a few words in English um and and to be fair it is possible that you could read this what they've done is they've taken the, the present tense of sin and they've said well in Greek sometimes uh sin uh, a verb can have a, a sense of continuation um and so this verb is is one one of those uh, that's possible yes um but it's it would be like um We'll put it this way. It happens nowhere else in the New Testament. Uh, They they did it here because they needed to fix something. They saw a problem. And so they fixed it by adding this. They don't do it anywhere else. Um, You could say it's possible in Greek. It would would be sort of like if you met someone in 1900 and you said, it's possible that a man will walk on the moon. They'd be like, yeah, sure, I guess. Anything's possible. But really, really unlikely. And of course, they were proved wrong. And that could be the case here. That could be the case here. Uh, But I suggest to you it's not. Um, let's just, let's just assume for a second that, that it is, that that's right. Yeah. If you just keep on sinning, that's how you know you're not a child of God. Does anyone feel better? Do you feel like the problem's been solved? Like, oh great, well, as soon as I stop sinning, then I'll know. Then I'll know. As soon as I'm patient with my kids every morning, as soon as I'm kind and loving to my wife, as soon as I get rid of my ridiculous pride, as soon as I do all of those things, I'll finally be, then I'll know for sure, I'll know for sure that yes, I am a child of God. But as long as those things continue to happen, and I submit to you that as amazing as I am, they do, this is really bad news. This is really, really bad news. In fact, if anything, all it's done is made the problem worse. Because now, not only do I, do I not do I uh, do I not know uh, if, if I'm a child. Or before I was like, yeah, I'm a child of and Now I'm not sure, and so I'm constantly living in fear, right? I'm living in fear because I don't know. Well, did I sin today? Did I keep, did I keep on, or did I get better? Am I better than I was five years ago? Because um, it seems to me that I I remember accepting the Lord Jesus as my Savior when I was four or five years old. But I can tell you, there's been some times in my life where I haven't been very faithful. Very good. What happens? Let's just imagine this is true. Let's imagine that you are a part of a community of faith. And you believe that the the key to knowing about, you know, whether you're a child of God or a child of the devil is whether you continue to sin. I submit to you that what you're going to do is you're going to go into peacock mode. Peacocks, um, I don't really, This none of this may be true. I'm just assuming that this is true about peacocks. Um, so if I'm wrong, you can correct me later. But I think that peacocks, um, they, they, they put their feathers out um, so that they can look great. And I think it's the men, the males do it to attract a female. And what it, what happens is a peacock w- runs around and starts strutting. So it's like, <laughs> look at me. And then the female, that's what I did to attract Erin. <laughs> she fell for it in a second. It was like putty in my hands. Um, and there's the people who knew me when I was in high school that are like, nope. <laughs> uh, it, it, strut, strut, strut. Look at how great I am. Look how perfect I am. Right? So you, you start to, to live in a way where you're like, I've got to convince everyone, because really I've got to convince myself that I'm awesome. That I'm amazing. That way, if I start to look inside, I'm going to start to think, yeah, yeah, I, I I've stopped sinning. I've, I, I, I've, I've achieved it. I've, I've become kind of holy. Right? 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 And you begin to do the thing that Christians are supposed to do. You begin to love people, right? But why? Why are you doing it? Because, gosh, if you don't, then things are really bad. You might be a child of the devil, and you you can never, ever, ever be sure. So you've got to love hard, love the best that you can, and you've got to be perfect. You come to church, you glad hand everybody, like, look how great my life is. You believe that, right? Because I do, right? Right? Your love comes from fear ultimately. It comes from insecurity ultimately because you've got to prove to yourself and to everyone around you what you fear is not the case that you've stopped, that you don't keep on, go on sinning. Even worse, you might come to a place where you start to really believe that. You you know, you've got all of the the markings of a successful good human being, right? Um, So you're able to provide and your wife drives a Lexus and your kids are very well behaved um, and uh, people think that you're a, a, a font of wisdom and they always ask you for advice and you kind of move up, you're an elder in the church and everyone looks at you and thinks that you're amazing and you know what, you're like, you know what, I am kind of amazing I've done it, I've stopped sinning and then you look around you and you start to look at everybody else who doesn't quite measure up and you're like, what's your problem, man? Are you for real? Get it together I did it. What's wrong with you? If you can't be me, then there's something wrong with you. You might not be a child of God like I am. Because if you were, you'd look like this. Super loving that. A community of peacocks always strutting their stuff. Well, ah, this is the uh, first, second thing in your note sheets. Um, to to add this thing, this continuing sense uh, to sinning, uh, is just—it's bad Greek and it's bad theology. Um, It's—we'll uh, put it this way: even people who agree with the theology, the scholars now—they'll look at that and they'll be like, "That was a terrible choice, New International Version. That is not what that means. It's—it's—it's um, it's, it's egregious and it's ridiculous. Uh, if you read in the in the in the in the Greek, it, it it's. Absurd. And for reasons I think I've just pointed out, it's bad theology too. So what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to give you uh, my fresh translation of this text. And as I do, I'm going to show you um, what we can do. I'm going to show you, if we dig deeply and we look at the text, how it actually does make sense, how there isn't a contradiction. And I think in that, we're going to get a sense of how we can begin to love from a place of security, love from a place of joy, not a place of fear. So here's the beginning of my translation. Every person who commits the sin also commits the rebellion. Because the sin is the rebellion. You know that the Father incarnated Him, Christ, to carry sins away, since no sin is in Him. No one living in Christ sins. Those who sin have never seen nor known Him. Little children, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. The first thing you notice is uh, all the capitals, right? And the thes, adding in that article. Um, I hate to give you a grammar lesson, but we really got to do it. Um, so I apologize. I'll try to make it as entertaining as possible. Some of you are like me; you get stoked about grammar. Katie's like, "Yes." Uh, others of you are like, "Well, I'm going to sack out for about uh, five minutes, to se- five to seven minutes." That's okay. You fall asleep. When we come back, just uh, just keep that where does your love come from in mind, and, and we'll and we'll have been there. Um, so here's here's a little truth about grammar. The Batman is the Dark Knight. Notice that this sentence, kind of like our sentence, has two thes. The Batman is the Dark Knight. In English, if you have a predicate nominative following a copula, that's the to be verb. If you have a to be verb, um, typically you don't use a the or a definite article in the predicate. But in this case you do. Why? Because the Batman is the Dark Knight. There's only one Dark Knight, there's only one Batman, and they happen to be the same dude. If you said the Batman is Dark Knight or is a dark night, well, that would be confusing, because maybe there's a lot of dark nights out there, and Batman's just one of them. Or maybe um, the Batman is literally a dark, N-I-G-H-T, a dark night. That would be weird, right? And so we use the definite article. But normally, we don't do that. So in this, this next sentence right here, the day is the warm. No, weird. Uh, part of that is because warm is describing day. It's not a noun itself. But you can immediately feel the weirdness of English of using the definite article. Well here's another example um with a uh with a, a, a predicate nominative. The United States is the country. That's a very strange sentence, but it doesn't feel right, doesn't it's like the United States is the country. Uh okay? You can almost hear a dot dot dot, right? Because you're expecting more. You're expecting this, this following. The United States is the country where I live. You want that predicate nominative to, to be a proper noun, to describe something singular, something definite, right? That's a quirk of English. Interestingly, Greek shares this quirk. Greek shares this quirk. In Greek, uh, predicate nominatives almost never have a definite article, the equivalent of our the. But in this case, they do. And so I I want you to see every person who commits the sin also commits the rebellion because the sin is the rebellion. That's a very subtle but very strange thing. Uh, To a native Greek speaker, that would... uh, it would feel a little weird. It would feel more like the Batman is the Dark Knight than it would um, uh, the country or the, the country is the United or no the, the the United States is the country. It would feel a little bit um, off. It would it would sound like it would sound like a proper noun. It would sound like it's describing something discreet. The Batman is the Dark Knight. Uh, the sin is the rebellion. I'm sorry. The nerdery must continue. Hang in! We're almost there. Next, the truth about etymology. Uh, etymology is just the, you know, where words come from. Um, so, imagine that you're learning English, and you're confronted with three pictures of three different sporting events, and someone says to you, which of these is basketball? Now, let's assume that you've never heard the word basketball before, and so you're thinking, and you're like, huh, you're looking at, there, there's one uh, picture where there's a guy with a stick slapping a a puck. And then uh, there's another one where people are running and jumping over um, over hurdles. And then there's another one where some people are throwing balls at what appears to be a basket. Well, you would intuit, because you know what a basket is, and you know what a ball is, that that last one is basketball. And you'd be right. You've used the words basket and ball to reason about what basketball is. You've, you've brought those things together, Right? Uh, another one, imagine the same situation, now now it's baseball, this would be a little harder, right, so you've got the the guy slapping the puck, you've got the person running over the hurdles, and then you've got this guy who's like tagging up on like this little square thing, and there's a guy trying to tag him, right, now it would be a little bit more of a stretch, but if you knew that a base in English could mean something like a a, a place of safety, and you saw that there was a ball, you might intuit, it would be a stretch, but you might intuit, this is baseball, and then you get this one. <laughs> you know the great news? The best part, uh, one of the best things early on when I was uh, living in Japan teaching um, was that the guy who had uh, been the teacher in my village before me was from the UK, which, uh, a gloomy, sad uh, country. And, um, and, and not only that, but in the UK, they, um, countries, I'm sorry, uh, in the UK they have a real problem with English. Their English is messed up. It's broken. Um, They'll say things like, did you take the lift? And you're like, what? Probably the worst, most egregious error that our brothers and sisters in the United Kingdom make, though, is they don't understand what football is. (laughs) Yeah, they think that football is a sport where, like, some prancing, long-haired men um, sort of fall over as soon as someone gets, like, within five feet of them, and then hold their ankle for, like, 10 to 15 minutes, while some other guys are like rah, 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 and then they get up and as if nothing happened. Yeah, what a sport. Um, as opposed to real football, where you know actually masculine men um, crash into each other, uh, you know, exposing what real manhood and strength is. Um, yeah, but you can see though, you can see though, if you were a foreigner, a Japanese person, you were trying to figure out which of these is football. You got a picture of a guy kicking a ball with his foot, and then you got a guy like throwing the ball and catching it. You'd probably be inclined to think it's it was the former, because you've made the etymological fallacy. You've tried to uh, intuit what a word means from its its roots, right? Foot and ball, even though that's not how it actually gets used. Um, something similar has happened in our text, um, and I, I want to show you here anomia. That's the word um, that got translated as lawlessness. Um, the, the texts are on the back of your note sheet if you want to follow along. Translated as lawlessness or that I translated as the rebellion. And the reason it gets translated as lawlessness or unlawful is because literally the roots of the word in Greek, a means un, and nomia means lawful. And so if you just put those words together, it means unlawful. Right? And so intuitively it sounds like, well, that's what it means, Lawlessness. But I suggest to you that that's the same mistake as thinking that football is a... I'm sorry, guys, if for those of you who like uh, soccer and you're big soccer fans, I, I'm joking. I love soccer. I have to. My wife is a soccer player. I've watched her play before. At the beginning it was rough, but now I get it, and it's an amazing sport. It's be- the beautiful game. They call it the beautiful game, and it is. It's not at least when... Okay, I'm done. I'll stop there <laughs> before I dig myself any deeper. Um. The interesting thing, though, is this word onomia when it gets used in especially the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, um, when they're translated into Greek, it doesn't mean unlawful. And I want to give you a couple examples of what it does mean. Um, this is from Genesis 19.15. When dawn broke, the messengers urged Lot, get up and take your wife and your two daughters who are here so that you are not swept away because of the evil in this city. If you know this text, you know that um, the places that they are, Sodom and Gomorrah, are known for um, tremendous evil, um, involuntary sexual intimacy, um, murder, um, a lack of hospitality. It's truly a place that um, is absolutely against the way that God wants things done. It's anti-God, anti-Christ. It's utterly evil, utterly radically evil. Or here's uh, in the Psalms, and we could multiply this a thousand times. It it gets used a ton in the Old Testament, and, and it always means the same thing. No enemy will oppress him. No wicked person will make him suffer. Not an unlawful person, but a person who's radically um, against what God wants and how God wants things done. That person is wicked, evil, rebellious in a way. Um, here's how God wants things set up, and this person has their fist in God's face saying, no, I'm not into that. That's not how I'm going to do things. I'm doing things differently. I am against you. I am in utter and complete radical rebellion against you. In fact, this is the person who's just like the devil. Let's go back um, to our text. Every person who commits the sin also commits the rebellion because the sin is the rebellion. If you were a a Christian in Ephesus, they probably used this, the rebellion, as a proper noun. It was probably like something that they understood, an unforgivable, catastrophic, evil sin. A kind of sin that was egregious. It's not just not telling the whole truth. It's not just being mean to your kids in the morning because they're wasting your time. It's its something beyond that. It's something absolutely radically against God, 100% counter to all things that God stands for. It is the ultimate and unutterable evil. It is an evil from which you cannot return. In fact, in fact, later in First John, and we'll get there um, in a month or two, um, there's, it, 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 John says there, are, there is a sin that is mortal or to death. It's a sin that's egregious. And that is what John's talking about right here. Now, if you can hear it, if you can see it, once once we get to that place where we recognize that the rebellion is really this this single act of defiance against God, then suddenly the text makes sense. It's no longer contradictory with with chapter 1, where, you know, John's talking about the normal kinds of sins we do. And here, he's talking about the kind of sin that, you can't come back from. What is that sin? Well, it's the sin that the devil had. If we go on in our translation um, to the... Is it, do we have the next verse 8? What did I have instead? There it is. Everyone who commits the righteousness is righteous. Uh, you might even say the righteous act. In the same way that Christ is righteous, anyone who commits the sin originates from the devil, since the devil sinned from the very start. And what was it that the devil did? He looked at God and said no. He looked at God in God's beauty and God's glory and said, I refuse to acknowledge or recognize you. And if you've been following John, um, you know uh, in the time that we spent together that really the one place that 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 happens for John is when people don't recognize that Jesus is from the Father. It happens in the Gospel of John when um, usually it's the Jews um, who, who don't see that Jesus is from the Father. They don't recognize. And, and Jesus says, you're going to die in your sins because you don't see it. This is the one thing you can't come back from. This is the one sin that it's too much if you don't recognize or believe that I am who I say I am. And then you can understand why those born from God don't commit the sin." because they have God's seed or DNA. They have God's eternal life, His character in them. They can't do the sin because they're God-born. They've already trusted that Jesus is who He says He is. They've already believed, and as a result, they can't go back and change that. You can't undo that. That's who you are. That's what you. That's that's the the basis of your very being is God's life living in you. This is good news, brothers and sisters. This is the truth that that man I'll go to the wall for. And that is as soon as you believe in Jesus as your Savior. That's it. Done deal. You are going to heaven. You will live forever. You are God's child. Now we've talked in the last couple of weeks that yeah, it doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. There are consequences. But boy. It's not as if everything that you do, say, or think puts you in the crucible and puts you in danger of not being who God says you are. Um, The next thing in your note sheets is this. The sin of 1 John 3 is the ultimate rebellion against God failing to recognize his son once you have that, John's not an adult old man who can't remember what he wrote two chapters ago. Moreover, you're um, freed from something very, very specific. No longer is it the case that you must peacock your way through community. This is something um, that I, I think is really has been very damaging in our culture. Um, people expect Christians to be a very certain way to the point that um, now Christians are known as like these... Um, you know, intolerant, um, vicious, uh, cruel people. And that's because, I think, if you're someone like me who's been in a place of, of darkness and you walk into a Christian community and you see everyone like bright and shiny and you're like, man, these people are a bunch of phonies. Because a lot of them are. Because a lot of them are acting that way from a place of fear and insecurity a lot of them are coming up and they're, and they're dying for other people to believe that they are what they appear to be. Because they want to believe that. Because they're worried that if they're not, then they're children of the devil, and they're expecting eternal damnation. And so they love, oh yes they love, but they love from fear and insecurity. Not only is this a damaging... Um, problem for them, but what really bothers me about it, (laughs) and I'm hammering it real hard, uh, is that, boy, I desperately want to see the church grow. I want to see new people come to faith. I want to see new people baptized. I want to see people captured and, and enthralled by our love. But that can't happen if our love is fake. And our love is fake if we don't accept the true, clear gospel that it's all Christ, all trust, and that's it. That's it. No more ties. No more let's figure... No, that's it. And when you realize that you've been loved that way, when you realize that that is who God is and how he loves you, you can begin to imitate him and love him out of joy, out of of gratitude, and not out of fear of what's going to happen if you don't. If anyone here has never trusted for the f- just the first time that, that Jesus paid it all and that's it, talk to me afterwards. I would love to, to share that good news with you. For those of you uh, who've done that, a time of self-examination is required because we are in a place where we're gathering new folks in. We're, we're, you know, we're going to start advertising, stuff like that. Um, so that people know we exist. Do you see that cool sign, by the way, the blue sign out there on the way up the hill? Okay, we got to trim the bushes so you can see it better. But it's a really cool sign, and it's not that janky one uh, that made us look like a cult. So that's awesome. If you're here, you're like, are you a cult? No, we're not. You can tell because the sign's great. I'm just kidding, that's not it. But uh, that's part of it. Uh, <laughs> um. We need to be people who um, whose love is so genuine and so enthralling that when people come in here, they're like, okay, it's a little awkward because I don't know anybody and I've got social anxiety, but this is for real. They're not kidding around. Something about them is the community that I've always desired. It's, it's not a community built because we've all got to work on the job at the, at the same job. It's not a community built because we're all on the same sports team. It's not a community built out of fear like North Korea. Um, it, it, what it is is it's a community that's built on grace. If we can be people whose love proceeds from grace, then I suggest to you that this place is going to see salvation Discipleship and an expansion and growth of the kingdom that I believe every one of us desires. So the last thing on your note sheets: the go- if the gospel isn't clear, your love will come from fear. Ah, sorry, but if it sticks, it's a win it sticks. It's a win. If, you're, if the gospel isn't clear, your love will come from fear. Hey, we're not done with this text. Uh, there's a lot more interesting stuff about it, but we had to get that out of the way so that we understand it. So next week, we're actually going to talk about the mission and, and, and the work of love, um, which it was, if you read the text again on the back of your note sheets, was uh, destroying the works of the devil, which is really cool stuff. So come back next week. Hey, let me pray for us, and then um, Ben's going to come up, and then we're going to go. Gracious God and Father, we uh, confess that you um, are a gracious, gracious God, that your love is infinite. It's, it's infinitely powerful. It's surpassing in every way. It's incomprehensible. And that all we've got to do is just trust in it. Trust in your Son. God, I pray that our, our, our people here, that we won't be those who love from fear, won't be people who love from insecurity, people whose love is fake and phony, but instead, God, our love will be genuine, drawn out of the joy that we have, uh, having been accepted by you as your children. I pray that people will come and and be jealous for that love and want to participate in that love and be a part of who we are and what we're doing in your name. God, we thank you that, that Jesus came to take away sins. That he did it so we don't have to. And that his promise secures us forever. In his name we pray, amen.